Max, you know what's scary? What? Spooky season. Oh, it's coming up. It is. It's here. It's the middle of October. You Dang sh- it, man. You know what's not scary? Huh. Happy hours and their sweet, sweet deals. That's a good point. You know, you know who's got a great happy hour? The handlebar. You're right. You know this already. I know the details. I know that it's seven days a week. I know it's from the hours of two to six. I know you get a dollar off all their draft beers. And just in case you listening don't know this part, I also know their address, which is 2070 East 20th Street. Again, spooky season is coming right up. And if you want to feel right at home in spooky season, you can find some very, very cool Fresh Hop Cinema spooky coasters scattered around that wonderful establishment. Again, that is the Handlebar 2070 East 20th Street. Go check out their terrific happy hour. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, this is Fresh Hop Cinema. We're a podcast. We're a radio show. We talk about craft beer and film. We're based in Chico, California. I'm a Scorpio. What are you? I'm a Cancer. Are you really? And I was also born in July. Great. My name is Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Perfect. You forgot What's your up? name. <laughs> uh, this week on the show, our review of Killers of the Flower Moon. It's the latest from Martin Scorsese and tells the story of a series of murders amongst the Osage Nation in early 1900s, Oklahoma. But before we give you our thoughts on that, Johnny, tell the listeners what we're drinking this week. We're going to be drinking beers from Imprint Beer Company out of Hatfield, Pennsylvania. The first one is called Blur. It's an 8.5% Imperial New England IPA with Mosaic, Citra, Meridian, and Summer Hops. The next one is called Sketchy AF. It's triple dry hopped Imperial New England IPA that is 8.6%. Did you pick beers? I mean, did you pick these out personally? Yeah, me and Andy picked them out. Two New England IPAs? He said they're good. All right. And I, he's like, you're going to hate them. And I'm like, I like to try things that I don't normally like. I love that. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, hope you're having a terrific Saturday On the radio version of our show today, you'll be hearing our episode almost but not quite in its entirety, which, by the way, will eventually include spoilers for Killers of the Flower Moon. That said, those spoilers won't be until about 4.30 p.m. If you haven't seen the film yet and you don't want it spoiled, you could just go see the movie and then catch up with us in the podcast version of our show, which, in addition to our beer reviews, thoughts on the film, includes the always unpredictable and always a lot of fun, hot and bothered segment, which is exclusive to our podcast listeners. It's how we end the show each week by catching up with each other, discussing things we've streamed on on streaming services and different shows, or maybe albums we've been listening to, or uh, beers we've tried off the air. It's anybody's guess. To find all that, go search for Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all other major podcast platforms. We have released new episodes every Friday almost since 2016, which means it's available to all of you listening on KZFR right now. It's a lot of episodes. If you like the show, please take five seconds and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and be sure to let us know you did. Text us to brag or with feedback about the show at 530-433-0839. Again, that number is 530-433-0839. To hang out with us on social media, Search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com. Right, or check us out on another website, patreon.com slash freshhopcinema, where we have recently started releasing bonus content with video, where we pour liquid from glasses being held by our feet into each other's mouths as bonus beer reviews. 100%. If that's not enough to get you on board, we've also, up until this point, recorded just audio of beer reviews, uh, maybe drinking from each other's feet, maybe not, you'll never know. Uh, bonus movie reviews, TV show reviews, guest interviews, 
all sorts of stuff going Bonus back. Bonus guest movie review <laughs> interviews. <laughs> While drinking beer. Yeah. Uh, stuff goes all the way back to 2016. If you'd like to join Patreon, what it does is gives you the opportunity to support our show. gives us the opportunity to give awesome stuff back to you in return. Uh, it's a very symbiotic relationship, and we all... We all benefit. So you can go to patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Give us a dollar a month up to, sorry, not a dollar a month. That would be insane. A dollar per episode, $4 a month, all the way up to $10 an episode, whatever your heart desires. And what we give back is contingent upon your level of giving. So don't be stingy is all I have to say about that. And again, that's patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Let's talk beers. I think that's all of our housekeeping. Let's do it. So so you said imprint out of Hatfield, Pennsylvania. This is my first time with this brewery. Um, it's probably going to be a lot of people's. They've been around since 2018 when they set up in Hatfield. Um, from their website, their beers run the gamut from classic IPAs and stouts to, in their words, mind-melting fruited sours. Uh, we're not doing any mind-melting fruited sours today. We're going to be drinking first a beer called Blur. That's right. And like you said at the top of the show, Johnny, it's a New England, it's an Imperial New England IPA. It's eight and a half percent. Like you also said, it's got mosaic, it's got citra, it's got meridian, and it's got something called summer hops. What the hell is a summer hop? I'm not sure. But um, I, I'm willing to bet in a beer of this many ingredients, it's probably not going to be the one thing that stands out as like, what is that? I've never had it before. It might. And if it does, I'm excited. But All right. can you tell me first where you got this beer? Yes, both beers for the show were picked up SNS Produce this week, and he helped me pick these out. He had tried them both, said he liked them both. He said I'd probably hate them. Okay, because of the New England thing or yeah. because they're bad beers? No, because okay. of the New England thing. He's like, yeah, that's not usually your style, man. Like sure. he, he knows me pretty well. He, he gifts me beers sometimes, and he knows what I like and what I don't. So I said, man, I like to branch out. Sure. It's no fun reviewing stuff that you just know you're going to enjoy all the time. That's true. Yeah. Um. So then my second question, have you had – imprint beers before no i'd never even heard of them nice okay so so newbies on the show newbies to us very exciting um describe what's in your glass maybe that could be great maybe show it to our people that are watching i'm gonna pour myself some yeah really light yellow um not very orangey definitely more yellow than orange on the haze factor real pale light bubbles kind of big bubbles too it's it's like a frothy frothy oh, yeah, head there. yeah it looks like it's gonna be Something I don't like. We'll see though. You I love never that know. we're diving into the deep end for beers on the show this week because it's. I mean, we're starting off at eight and a half percent, and then, I mean, not dialing it back. We're going up to eight point six, I believe, for our second beer. So we're just kind of kid around. Times over. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, what are you picking up? What are you tasting? What do you think? Well, first off, I, it's boozy. You can tell immediately. Mm. Um, one of the first notes I get is actually the the booziness of it, the heat, yeah, which is is unusual for this style. A lot of times it's you know, the juice or the hops, the bitterness or the sweetness. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, this is kind of sweet, a little bitter, a little dry, a little hoppy, a little juicy, tons of alcohol. It's weird and ironic coming off of the bonus review we just did for our Patreon. Uh, speaking of heavy booziness. Yeah. The, the difference here might be, are you enjoying that heat or is it off-putting? No, I like it. I don't I don't mind it. It kind of lets you know what this beer is about right off the bat. Mm-hmm. It does really skew Imperial. Yeah. I like that. You know, it's there's no mistaking it. A lot of times imperial beers, especially New England's and the hazy stuff, they kind of hide behind a lot of that sweetness. When you see imperial New England, I immediately think it's going to just be a boozy, you know, Orange Julius. You get yeah. that super sweet, yeah. super thick mouthfeel, and that's hiding all that alcohol. Sometimes that works because you're, if you're not really in the mood for tasting a strong beer. But this sure. this is definitely upfront with it, and I, I kind of respect it for that. I mean, I like it, dude. I, I, I agree. I think there's... 
there's some nuance here that I wasn't expecting. I'm personally a huge fan of like a boozy Julius, for example. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to make an Imperial New England IPA, at least for me, it's like, great, sure. Like make it, you can hide some of that alcohol with sweetness because I like those notes. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't have that so much. And the the color really is throwing me off. It almost looks like a carbonated lemonade. Yeah, it's, it's so light. It's yellow, yellow. This can's been upright for since, well, basically since last week when we got these beers. Mm-hmm. And I'd be curious, I don't know how much we're actually going to drink of this today, given we have a lot of show to work on, but I, I'd be willing to bet that there's a good amount of sediment there's at the bottom of this schmutzies down there? To the point that it might have, yeah, might have changed the color. I, I'm not sure if that's true, but I, I'd bet a couple, a couple bones. Maybe. We can swirl it around and try it later. I'm, I mean, I'm in if you are. But there's been times we, where you've asked me to do that, and then I pour it, and you go, ugh, and I go, you said that you do it, and you go, I've changed my I mind. I wanted to see if you would do it. Yeah, well, I, do, I would. I have uh, a few friends that are in kind of the trading game, real big into hazy IPAs, get a lot of stuff from the East Coast. Yeah. Very staunch advocates of either, like, putting it on the table and rolling it, or just actually turning it over in their hands a few times before they open it. Sure. Which definitely changes a beer. You get that sediment involved, and their school of thought is that, well, it's in the beer. It's supposed to be involved. Are these people that are in the brewing game or just fans of drinking? Fans of drinking sounds Just fans con- of drinking. Condes- yeah. Condescending. A but... little bit. No, more just beer enthusiasts. That, okay. Um, yeah. There's a couple people in particular. I'm not calling anyone out, but I'm thinking of you. That like just do that every time, and I'm like, do you just want the schmutz? Like, does it? What does it do for you? That's like it makes, makes sense. It... Like, it's part of the beer. Yeah, I get that. You're making an unfiltered beer, so you know, in theory, what you send out or what you can is what you intend for people to all drink. All right, I'm swirling it. All right, well, all right, I gotta get drinking. No, we're down just gonna add it to it. Well, because I don't want it to dilute with the beginning. I want to see what's left. So give me just two seconds. Say say a word. All right, I'm saying words. So I'm gonna swirl the can around a little bit. Okay. We're about. A quarter of the can gone, so this is going to yeah. be a, a good sample size of if there is anything at the bottom. What I was going to offer is a counterpoint, which is coming from the world of wine, which as most people know, I think you – you tip, at least I think most people drink wine know. You store your wine bottles on their sides. You're doing that. Everybody knows this thing again, aren't you? This does seem more uh, universal than maybe uh, Arachne from Greek mythology. Everybody but, knows. But would you agree, like, it's fairly common knowledge you store wine on its side? Yeah. All the $2 wine from Trader Joe's at my house okay, is stored on its side. If you have a decent side. bottle of wine, maybe store it on its side. It, it helps keep the cork wet. It, it keeps oxygen out. It's um, there's. I'm sure there's more benefits. But what people also say is when you're drinking a nice wine that might have sediment, you store it upright for up to 24 hours so that it all settles in the bottom. And mm. you don't include that in your wine drinking. Mm-hmm. Maybe different schools of thought. Maybe they're different beverages, so it could be a totally different thing. But personally, I like where your head's at. I like what we've just done. I think if it's in the can, fair game. And it doesn't seem to have changed too much. It doesn't look very different. Um, I, You know, it's a, maybe a little bit cloudier. I, it's hard to say Oh, it's for sweeter. Sure. Is it? Yeah. Um, actually, holding it up to the light there, it's, it's quite a bit harder to see through. I can tell you that. Yeah. It um, definitely incorporated some stuff. Sweeter in a good way. Sweeter. Sweeter you. in a good way. Oh, that good. that booziness that was right up front is definitely a bit more masked now. I could see that. Like oh, for sure. That tastes like it's noticeably different. It's much better. Right. We made a mistake. <laughs> okay, so do so we... your friends that you didn't want to shout out, even though now it would kind of be like sup, a nice... Derek. All right, good good high five. Appreciate you. Um, yeah, this is this is this is better this way. The, yeah, like it's noticeable. Uh, yeah, immediately. I don't know why it didn't occur to us to do that. Um, later in the show, we're doing a triple dry hopped Imperial New England IPA, and that one will yeah. obviously I'll just we'll roll it to each other, yeah, and get it going. You like it more? I do, I do too. 
I'm surprised at you for that. I feel like, well, the booziness was I, admirable, but not necessarily desirable. That's probably fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the taste of it. I yes, the, exactly. The alcohol itself, maybe desirable. Always desirable. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But no, the, um, the, the heat of it is definitely more masked. Mm-hmm. And I feel that after we did that, it, it became a bit more well-balanced. Yeah, I agree. Which is um, surprising. I didn't. That was a fun science, man. We just yeah. did a science. Oh, yeah. If, if we were really on top of it, we could do this for research one time. Like have two glasses and pour them side by side, one without upsetting the yeah. sediment. It's like the bloom and the the actual sure. coffee. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, anything super negative? What do you hate about this, if anything? What do I hate? Do you hate anything? I don't think I hate. Hate's a strong word, What's man. throwing you off, if anything? The personal preference of just that sweetness. But I yeah. think it's... It's got enough hops, and the imperial nature of it is mm-hmm. really helping balance out mm-hmm. the sweetness with some hops and some some heat. Yeah, I think this is a better New England IPA than most that I've had. I mean, it's certainly a good first impression of this brewery, mm-hmm. and again, a brewery that's only been around for about five years. It's super clean too. Very like clean. it's it's the aftertaste is really not that rough. Like it's. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just tastes like you just lick the inside of a horse's mouth. Dude, I know. And I, I was going to say that too. It's not it's, bad. It's extremely clean. I mean, there's also none of that. There's none of that, the cloying sweetness aftertaste that you get. And there's also not a ton of hoppy stuff going on. Mm-mm. It's it's a very well-made beer, if you ask me. Clean drinking, easy finishing. And I like the um, the body, the mouthfeel. It's it's pillowy. It's pillowy. It's soft. It's it's, it's substantial too, though. It's there. Totally. Like, yeah. it's, it's a nice, soft. I love pillowy. When describing anything, they, I, if I'm not mistaken, I they described their second beer that way, and I think it came to mind because I wrote that down. Mm. Uh, yeah, man, you say anything's yeah. pillowy, like I'm on board. You're just immediately like, oh, is it? Well, I, all right, bro, I like pillows, yeah, so much. You, uh, you about ready to pull the car into the raiding garage? <laughs> what? I don't know. Just you know, yeah. I'm thinking of going to sleep, so I'm thinking of like coming home and getting cozy. So, <laughs> so you think of driving? Yeah, you, you know, getting home. <laughs> I just got home after a long drive, and I was thinking about, man, when I pull in, mm. getting in bed's going to be great. Yeah. If you must know the the, okay. the logic behind that weird I, weird expression. I feel I like the logic up. is necessary context for that so analogy. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. Um, I'm I, ready to park the car in the ratings. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> great. The worst analogy. I love yeah. you. Uh, you give me a rating. I'm going to show the can to people um, who are watching this. Oh yeah, we're doing. It's a, it's a cool can. And we video. I I both like and hate. That we don't have to describe the can now, though we could start. No, a we thing. have to because people only listen on the podcast. Okay, so hundred. No, so in this case, then Johnny, describe the can. Then I'm going to show people and we'll see how accurate your description was. All right. So we have a black background with kind of. Um, it reminds me of one of those little things that you would get when you were a kid. It was like a plastic box that had geometric things you could put like on the box with a layer of paper in between and spin it in a circle. A gyroscope. And oh the, no, 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 no. With the 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 wheels, the yeah, gra- the and they gears. would and they would make different patterns. Yeah, we're both just doing this. Yeah, yeah. it was circular I know patterns. Uh, there's a word for them, but they were like a late nineties, early two thousands childhood. And those toy. are the only people who need to know what we're talking about. Exactly. And that you've done a good job. That's yeah. what it looks like. Um so it looks like that with a multicolor rainbow. We've got yeah, it is actually a rainbow. Purple, red, yellow, green, blue. Yep. Uh and then blur right in the middle of the circle. And it's blurry. And it's blurry. Yeah. And that's what it looks like. Mm, an artist with words. Is, okay. Yeah. That's no, nicely done. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it looks like. Um, okay. Ratings garage. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty hot on this beer. I'm, I'm super digging it, man. Um, just first impression. They're up there with a lot of the 
breweries that we all know and love that make this style. Like I would put them in the same category as a treehouse alchemist, a treehouse like Moxa. They're up there. Not related now, but since we're talking these beers, do you know Moonraker just built a new tap room pretty recently? <laughs> no, a couple months ago. Okay. I can't think it's like near Auburn, but not. Fun fact: What's near Auburn, but not Grass Valley? But it's not in Grass Valley. Okay, it's somewhere. It's like in like the you know the foothills kind of that area. So they got further away from civilization. Who knows? I just heard this the other day at um, a winery I was playing at that had their beer stocked. And okay, I was like, oh, like that's. I mean, that you're kind of close, but like, why do you guys have their beers? And like, no, they just did a new thing. They <laughs> might have music. Which for All me, right. I was like, what's that? What's up? So, um, sorry to cut you off. Oh, you're good. I agree. No, I'm pretty hot on it. I think they're they're outstanding. These beers are outstanding in their field. And for me, these are going to be really high ratings for this style. This is like an 8.5. Eight five. I, I love it. You are exactly mirroring the alcohol content, which I very much enjoy. For me, it's a 9. I got I got no complaints. We've we've talked about this at length on the show, but there there is something intangible about a ten, mm-hmm. and some it's, maybe it's just the mood, the time of day, the any number of things. Yeah, um, I literally can't put into words the wow factor that is required for a ten. Sometimes to be a ten, not always. Sometimes you, it's just obviously, and here's why. But mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, yeah, you feel know. it or you don't, man. Right. So for me, it's a nine, a great rating. That's a stellar rating. That's one of the top ten beers of the year. Yeah. You don't give out like we don't give out nines and tens. I was just filling in our beer ratings, and I'm sure we'll do we'll do a review of the year once December or January rolls around. But we are you sure? We, yeah, we've uh, we've given out less than a dozen tens this, this year? year. This no, this year. Okay, <laughs> not ever. I mean, even ever, I wouldn't be surprised at that. Like perfect beers, we're not going to do this now, but I could probably only name like five. Oh yeah. So that we've given out that many this year is impressive. Yeah, it's been a totally. good year for beer. It has been. Um yeah, so 85 for you, 9 for me again. Um that's blurred. Do you have any other thoughts on this, Johnny? Available at SNS. Great call. Uh, the dates were nice and fresh. The beer was nice and fresh. It was crispy. It was delicious. All right. Good. Yeah, check it out. All right. Well, once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you've tried Blur and you think we got it wrong or you know that we obviously got it right, please do get in touch. Let us know. You can leave us a voicemail. You can send a text. Our number is 530-433-0839. I think it's safe to say we do quite love feedback. Again, that number is 530-433-0839. And hey, if you like the show, help us out. Please do leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it only takes a couple seconds, and it's one of the most effective ways to help us get our show in front of new potential listeners like your friends, like your relatives. Thanksgiving's coming up. Tell Auntie. She might like craft beer. She might like movies. We don't know. Uh, But do it. It helps us get in front of new people. What's next, you ask? It's a trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon. Killer. Singular, right? Nope, nope. It's Killers. You said it right. That's a typo on my end. I'm sorry. We're good. Killers of the Flower Moon. If you haven't seen it yet, do not worry. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so please don't go anywhere. Whose land is this? My land. Well, 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 our war hero has arrived. You made a good choice coming back here. These are the finest, wealthiest, and most beautiful people on God's earth. They outsmart everybody. They have the say. Who gets the oil? Son, I got a question. You like women? <laughs> That's my weakness. <laughs> well, we mix these families together, and that estate money flows the right direction. It'll come to us. Shomikasi. That's how you are. I don't know what you said, but it must have been Indian for handsome devil. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you come here? 
my uncle. You scared of him? Oh, he's a, he's the nicest man in the world. The old sage, the time is over. We got to take back control of our home. I was sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. We have so many deaths, we've lost count. It's just bad luck. Seems more like an epidemic than bad luck to me. Osage is dying by the enemy. Do not let them die alone. Evil surrounds my heart. You gotta pick a side. I don't even know if you love me anymore. Of course I love you. And kill these men who killed my family. Did your wife say who she was most afraid of? Don't do something you're gonna regret for the rest of your life. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft, beer, and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're sadly going to be missing out on some solid gold. It's available exclusively to our podcast listeners. So if if you'd like to hear the whole episode, you can go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found. It's currently available for your streaming pleasure. So at the end of this, if you're just dying to know what all the hot and bothered fuss is about, go and have a listen. All right, here's the here's the generic internet synopsis for this movie, which I don't think quite does it justice, but uh, I think we'll start there. In the 1920s, members of the Osage Nation, American tribe of Osage County, Oklahoma, are murdered after oil is found on their land, and the FBI decides to investigate. Again, that's the synopsis for Killers of the Flower Moon. It's directed by Martin Scorsese, written in part by Scorsese and also Eric Roth, and it's based on a book of the same name by author Eric Gran from 2017. Stars, or rather features, a bunch of people. Stars Leonardo DiCaprio's Ernest Burkhart. Uh, Lily Gladstone plays his wife, Molly, and Robert De Niro plays his uh, uncle, William King Hale. It came to theaters in wide release on October 20th after screening for its premiere at Cannes back in May of this year, 2023. And it runs a Scorsesean three hours and 26 minutes, Mm. Um, which makes sense. I mean, I wasn't sure quite the the appetite that people had for a movie like this, of of this length coming back into theaters, as most of us probably remember, The Irishman came to Netflix during the pandemic, um, and there seemed to be more downtime. And that movie was, I think, four hours plus, Yeah, um, which neither of us got through. We didn't cover it that year. I watched it. Did you watch the whole thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't get I liked it. it. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, this is an easy segue, but well, you like The Irishman. Johnny, what did you think of Killers of the Farmer? <laughs> <laughs> well, man. This movie was kind of tough to watch in a lot of ways. It dealt with some very sure. serious and, and traumatic and potentially triggering subject matter. Uh, it pretty much centered around the um, – there's so many words you could use to describe it. Sure. Uh, the exploitation uh, in its continued newest edition uh, of Native American people in this country. Yeah. Um, I think it was a very important story that – 
was absolutely worthwhile making a film about. I think it's because uh, it's all true stories. Yeah, you know, and it's based. It, I want to read the book now. Like it's top of the list of books that I'm going to read now. Um, film wise, it was incredibly engaging. It was beautiful. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous to look at. It kept me in, engaged for the full three and a half hours. It didn't ever feel long, which. Dude, over three hours, you have to earn. I mean, earn. over two hours, you got over two. It seems to me anything over a tight ninety, I start the eyebrows mm-hmm. start. I'll, I'll go up to two hours, like like pretty pretty faithfully. But yeah. if you're like, all right, we're like we're doing two thirty, it's like, all right, why? Yeah, and exactly. yeah, we're talking an extra hour beyond that. Mm-hmm. So I, I was ninety minutes in, and I'm like, we're not even halfway there. Oh yeah, rock and roll. Yeah, let's do this. Um, but I it didn't feel long to me. It felt super engaging. There was this this weird struggle between ignorance and compliance that Leonardo DiCaprio's character goes through in this movie that was yeah. very engaging. And it made his character complex in my brain. Mm-hmm. I think maybe more so complex than was on screen. Yeah. It, in a way. We'll, we'll get there. There's mm-hmm. a lot to cover in this. I will say 100% Lily Gladstone as Molly stole this movie. She was absolutely amazing. Okay. I loved her in it. Um, I thought it was one of the better long format dramas that I've seen in a long time. Very big Shawshank vibes from in, this movie. Uh, in, okay. In duration, in, <laughs> in, in intensity, in dramatic content. Um, just okay. it, overall like vibe, right? It's, it had like a Shawshank vibe. Can I, it. can I also offer that it might've had that same Shawshank vibe given that it's like this sprawling American epic that is interested in talking about one of the foundational issues we have in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's another, I, I also, that's, that was the vibe I got too, but I never thought of that. But when you said that, I was like, that, that's a, maybe a through line. Yeah. And also time period. Like it was a very formative That's time true. in this yeah. country for policy of various things. Um, but yeah, I really, really liked it. I think it's one of the better movies I've seen this year. I think it's going to win some awards. I loved De Niro's kind of chaotic bad, you know, he had, yeah. but it was like this chaotic, just the the whole character that he played was so conflicting in his, you know, from his actions to his persona, it was, it was hypocritical and vile and despicable, but so also so likable. Yeah, you know, he was a very complex character. Uh, and De Niro's like ninety three or whatever. He's he's so old. Is he? How no, old? I don't. He's know. not. I'm, that old. I'm exaggerating, but I'm not that far off. He's closer to ninety three than my age. That's true. I think he's in his eighties. Loved his performance. Uh, Leo was solid. Uh, there were moments where I thought he was getting a bit too sling blady with it. Okay. With the underbite and the. I still act- haven't seen that. You, mm. It's on the list, I know. But yeah. Okay. That's a must watch. I love sling blade. Uh, but, it, you know, there were. I can, couldn't tell if that was an homage or, or more of just how this person was maybe in the book. Uh-huh. Uh, but the presentation of that character you know, ranged from ignorant and stupid to complicit to, you know, loving father to, you know, henchman. And it was, sure. it was such a complex character. Every character in this movie, not every, the, the three main characters, I will say, okay. had a lot of nuance. And there were, there were 
very different angles you could look at them from. Uh, and they kind of changed a lot. The character development was great in this movie. It was, uh, yeah, one of the better movies I've seen this year. I, I really, really liked it. Out of 10. 9.2. 9.2. It's a huge movie. I appreciated that it wasn't, and Martin Scorsese is good at this. Like from from what I read about The Irishman and like the half that I got through, um, and and a lot of his movies, barring like, you know, Shutter Island, which was not straightforward thematically or or plot wise, but but time wise, like is, is a fairly succinct movie and and had a fairly traditional plot structure as far as beats go. I mean, this is huge. Like you you, it takes somebody who's very proficient at telling stories to make a movie like this. Um, I was also entertained throughout. Entertains maybe not the right word. I was engaged the whole time. It's a, it's quite a bummer of a story. I think if there's any rule we can learn about historic movies about Native Americans, it's that they're not going to be feel-good stories, at least as they pertain to the the crossroads of, of white European settlers taking over their land. I don't, I, think, I don't think there's a good story out there of that. Can't imagine there would be. Um, but this particular one of the Osage Nation is one that I'd never heard, didn't know anything about. I think at one point in the movie, they even mentioned like the big five tribes and, and I don't think I can name all of them, but they're ones that you've heard of. Cherokee's one of them. Cheyenne's one of them. There's, there's a few and Osage doesn't, no, there's five. There's <laughs> Osage doesn't make the, the count. They're a very small tribe. And, uh, so I think that's a, sometimes we ask why, why, or if a story needs to be told, I think there's probably no arguing this one did. I agree with you on performances. I think um, I'm not sure if I'm with you on Lily Gladstone stealing the movie. She does a really fantastic job in the first half. Maybe granted she in some ways gets sidelined a little bit. The first half of this movie was a whole movie. It totally was. Yeah. Uh, so she stole 90 minutes. That's stealing. That's, that's true. That's stealing a movie's length worth um, of time for me. <laughs> De Niro's great. Yeah. I, I would argue he's probably the character that changes the least. Yeah. He's pretty much set in stone. It's also good. You just learn more about him. You do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can't but you're right. Too much without yeah. spoiling. No, you're right. He, um, as a per character and a person, he yeah. changes the least. But he he does a great job. And and you really get the sense that he's worked with Scorsese a lot, which he has. It's their 10th film together. Um, and I think with DiCaprio, it's their sixth. That's uh, wild. So, yeah, they, they've done a lot. And and there's a familiarity and, a, and I think, a, a level of comfort that comes through and that that uh, makes those performances as good as they are. There's a bunch of people that pop up that we'll probably talk about as we get more into the nuts and bolts of this. But um, Jason Isbell, the country singer, shows up. Sturgill two, Simpson. I know. Two weeks in a row. Twice. I know. Um, oh, was that Sturgill Simpson again in this movie? Yeah. I thought that looked like the guy from the creator. Yeah. I don't know his face as well, but I knew Jason Isbell's face. Yeah. Um, I don't know who Jason Isbell is. Yeah, you do. I don't know his face. Okay. Um, we'll talk about his music later, but. I'm rambling a little bit. I, I liked the movie. I actually didn't love it. It's just such a bummer, you know, I, that personally, like I'm not, I don't want to rewatch it. I'll tell you that. It's an incredible story. It's a sad story. It's, it's, did you have in your theater screening the, uh, the Martin Scorsese at the top of the show being like, Hey, thanks for coming to see my movie. Thing? I showed up a little bit late. Okay. I try and time it to get in there. Like post trailers. Like, sure. Sure. Yeah. Love those trailers. I have this personal challenge where I try to eat all my popcorn before the movie starts. <laughs> and as you saw when you walked in today, I did not. That do could that. have been the refill. Are yeah, they doing refills. They're not yet? doing refills yet. Damn. Um. Anyways, it's it's a great movie. It's really well done on from a technical perspective, from a performance perspective, from a storytelling perspective. I just it's it's 
tough to want to watch it again. Uh, but it's great. So, uh, you know, like it's, it's, it's a nine of a movie. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And I'm, it's not going to be one of my favorites of the year, if that makes sense. But it, it could, it could still be one of the best movies of the year. It's absolutely one of the best movies of the year, but it's not going to make my list of top 10. Because your list is very preferential. Totally. Yeah. As no. any personal list should be. Yeah. I think. And that makes all the sense. I would agree with most of what you said. Yeah. It's, it's. I would be. I mean, I haven't read much about this. It's it's not been out for too too long in in wide release. Yeah, but I kind of think there's not a whole lot out there being like this thing sucks. What mm-hmm. an amateur! Like, there's probably not that. No, it's going to come down to, like you said, the Leo performance can be a little bit. It felt ham fisted. A little at bit. Um, he's he's got to do a really tough job. The actor does of towing this line of getting us invested in him because he does play this role of, I mean, he's bringing the charisma to the screen that Leonardo DiCaprio brings. Number one, two, this character is fairly charismatic and likable, mm-hmm. except for the things about him that aren't likable. And he's also an idiot. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough thing to get right. I think as a performer, cause it's so quickly could become cartoonish or caricature or, or yeah, ham fisted or, or whatever number of adjectives you want to choose. But I think he does a really good job. I think it's probably up there with some of his best performances mm-hmm. for me. Um, and we can talk more about this in a bit, but before we get into spoilers, is there anything else that you think needs discussing that we shouldn't say or, or that we can say now that we uh, you know, need to prioritize? Well, I think it's one of the best movies of the year, and I think you should watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, again, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you have thoughts on anything we've discussed on the show today so far, please do get in touch. Again, you can call us or you can text us, 530-433-0839. Or if uh, you're fancy like that, send a good old-fashioned email. Our email address is fhccast at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll be discussing Killers of the Flower Moon with spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, consider this your second-to-last warning. And don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with The Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to The Danger Zone. We're spoiling Killers of the Flower Moon. So brace yourselves. If you haven't seen it yet, now is your last chance. You can pause the podcast, go see it. Come on back in four hours, and we'll pick up where you left off. In the meantime, Johnny. How shall we proceed? I would like to touch on the hard-to-watch aspect of this movie. I think we should clarify that a okay. little bit. It's worth talking about. Yeah, that, that synopsis I read doesn't do the actual plot any justice. No. Do we need to set up what happens in the story a little bit clearer? I think it can be briefly summarized as that you know, post-colonial genocide – uh, the white man has found a new way to completely take advantage yeah. of uh, this Native American culture in that the Osage Indians found oil on their land. Mm-hmm. One thing leads to another. You have all these dudes trying to marry Native women yep. to get their family rights right. and then basically kill off their families so they're the only ones left with the money right. and the rights. And just, yeah, they're, they're being treated like um, cattle. Well, cattle like, don't like, have head rights. Like a like a commodity. Sure. The, De Niro sure. had a line that was chilling. Sorry, I just swore during KZFR. It was chilling when he said that's twenty five thousand dollars laying on the ground right there. Oh, I know. Like I, uh, I think it was. It was twenty five. It was that moment is imprinted in my brain. Right. That was so rough. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, they're they're being treated essentially like a like a stock option, and dehumanized in a way that is is new and I mean not new to to the world, but like new to viewers of this movie. Sure, it's it's not the typical dehumanization of an entire culture that we're used to seeing, and it's such as um, you know the genocide the of. The Native Americans, or in, I'm speaking Native American specifically. I got you. Okay, it's kind of a specific yeah. brand for a lot of movies. You know, mm-hmm. you've got your your white savior movies like the the dances with Death the wolves. wolves you know, classic. It's yeah. been done. It's been done. Yep. It's been done. Uh, but there's this new brand of exploitation being brought to cinema, and it's historically factual, and it's very troubling to see. It was. Um, I cried a few times in this movie. It was very difficult to watch. Really, I have family that still lives on reservations. Like in my head, I'm like, yeah, what do yeah. the women in my family think of when they watch this movie? Or, yeah, what have they been through in the past? Yeah, hundred yeah. years. Yeah, like I still have family on reservations in Wisconsin and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the old men in this movie sound like my uncle. It mm. was very like, oof, yeah. it hit hard, it yeah. hit home, and I'm just like, man, it was intense. I the 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 thing that Martin Scorsese says before the movie starts is basically he does like the bull that Tom Cruise does in like, you know, Top Gun where he's like, it's just, I, we love making movies. Thanks for coming out to the theater. Buy some pop, buy, drink Coca-Cola, be a good American. Mm-hmm. He does all that because he has to. But he also says, uh, and this is the majority of his message, is that the movie was made in tandem with the Osage people mm. and was overseen to, I'm paraphrasing, but ensure historical accuracy and respect to the stories being told. And I think that's a through line in the movie because it, it, it does have all this horrific stuff that happens, but it doesn't feel like entertainment, which yeah. I think is very important when you tell a story like the same as mm-hmm. when you tell a story about like Schindler's List does not feel like entertainment. Yeah. Um, any any number of movies about slavery, with the exception of maybe Django. And I think there's um, a level of maturity in the storytelling of Martin Scorsese versus maybe a Tarantino and I love that movie. I love mm-hmm. a lot of Tarantino movies. But this wouldn't be the story to put in the hands of Quentin Tarantino. No. I'm sure he could do it. He's a very adept filmmaker. But in his style, it wouldn't uh, wouldn't translate. No, he's a big fan of taking history and turning it on its head like an Inglorious sure. Bastards right, or right. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So mm-hmm. it would have been a lot different. But yes, I love that it never became exploitative. It never became sheer entertainment value. It, it felt very respectful. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how we got on that. I wanted to talk about why it was hard to watch. Oh, right. Sure. Yeah, yeah you're right. And I there mean, were gruesome, grisly murders. Uh, yeah. A lot of, of shocking violence in this movie. That's also tricky because coming from a Scorsese background, like that's nothing new. No. Um, we don't probably need to go through his filmography, but no. the ones that come to mind in terms of gruesome violence, the ones that I've seen and have seen the most are like departed Goodfellas. Um, those are probably the first two that, yeah, those are the first two that I thought of. Yeah. And those, they do a lot of like smash cuts between, you know, like in, um, in The Departed, there's, there's, I think it's Leonardo DiCaprio's character recapping a story or it might be Jack Nicholson and he's telling about how he killed these people and then it cuts to those people getting murdered, falling over in the sand and then there's like a joke made by, I think, I think Jack Nicholson. Yes, it was. I remember that scene. The violence in those are used as both shock and and not awe, but you know, disturbing shock murders and to further the plot, but also comic moments. Yeah, 
And I was impressed that they didn't use that here, but that didn't stop me from expecting it. Right. So I almost had to, once it happened, remind myself, like, this is a different story. And even though this is very clearly the same filmmaker, we're, we're approaching this with a different sense of responsibility. Different intention. Like The Departed. Did much different yeah. intention, which I loved. I loved that he, he was able to use that violence that stylistically mm-hmm. he's known for mm-hmm. with a better intention yeah. and to convey a plot that is, is not necessarily, I mean, more serious. Yes. No. I mean, but yeah, as this film is a lot more serious than his other ones, but it was also conveying, um, the victimization. Right. So yes. the difference in this movie from a lot of Scorsese's other films is half the time the people getting murdered, you're like, eh, they right. were, were mobsters. Totally. Like they did, they had it coming. It was, but there was a, a clear spotlight shined on who the victims were. And it wasn't, there was no equity of power no. in this movie. So it was, it was very clear that it was done with intention. Most of the time in his movies, bad guys are getting murdered. And I'm yeah. using that kind of in air quotes. Yeah. Like it's movie bad guys. Exactly. And cultural bad guys. But here uh, it's the good guys getting murdered. Yep. Um, which, yeah, makes it obviously a lot tougher. Um, how did you feel about the character Ernest Burkhart, Leonardo DiCaprio? You know, I, I was, he's. When in, did you turn on him? <clears throat> I guess is probably what I want to know. I mean, when he signed off on. W- the second sister's house getting blown up. Were you pretty understanding of what was happening when yeah. this was going on? I think it, yeah, I caught on about the same time. I was understanding of, of his uncle's intentions yes. and kind of setting them up together yes. and, and whatnot. But when I kind of turned on him as a character was when he instigated that. Now, do you think he thought he was doing something bad? That is where that character walks that line of ignorance versus complicity, you know, stupidity, complicity, those lines blur and intersect and overlap in a way that he, you think like he had to have known. Right. But at what point did he actually show remorse or recognition of what he was doing? Right. Right. And I don't think that that came until much later. I think when it came was when, uh, he's having that final conversation with Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, when she's like, "What? It, what was in the shots?" Basically, yeah. which was so mm. it was tough. I mean, dude, because because up until that point, you know, I kind of thought like he was just dumb enough to be like, "Oh, whatever the doctors give me, I'm yeah. gonna give her," even though we're like, "That's insane, dude! Don't do that." But yeah. like, still, I was like, "Benefit of the doubt," kind of. I don't yeah. know why. I thought. I guess I thought, and this comes back to like maybe my gullibility or maybe Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, charisma is like. I want to root for him. Yeah. So even after he sanctioned kind of the, the burning down of the house or or any number of other pretty bad things, I was like, well, maybe he still loves his wife. Like maybe his family's important to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was grasping at straws, but I was. Yeah. Um, and then when she was like, what was in the shots? It became clear he was like, you know, yeah. he knew. And let's talk about just a moment, the links at which that whole family went through to gaslight that poor girl. I know. It was despicable. It was just so icky feeling. Yeah. Like we, there was a lot of things that were hard to watch and made icky feeling like mm-hmm. just, ugh. Uh, but her journey in this movie into being basically sedated into submission uh, and the yeah. fear that she went through with that was just, it showed you the depths and the links at which like De Niro's character would go yeah. just to get more, more, more. It's a pretty, it's a pretty brilliant evil plan mm-hmm. you know like like fine like 
assimilate yourself into this culture, act like the savior, and yeah. and do all these things that really aren't costing you much. You know, like I think he like he like buys or builds like a ballet recital, not a recital, a ballet studio, mm-hmm. um, gives money, all these things, and and puts a thousand dollar reward to find the killers when right. the killers are actually him and his right. crew. Like like yeah. So and then that looks very much to them like oh he's on our team and then yeah like finds his ske- sketchy slash also dumb family members to marry and then ostensibly is going to have them killed too yeah brilliant plan yeah he's he's very much so a criminal mastermind yeah. of this era totally in in the worst possible way what's um when did you think if ever that he might get caught I kind of knew he was gonna wait, who's he uh De Niro's character. You knew the bubble had to burst at some point. So I knew it was going to happen. The question in my mind about halfway through the movie was how? Was there a point? Let me just say, for me, it was when Jesse Plemons shows up. Mm. as the Or sorry, as the Bureau of Investigation that works for the federal government. It wasn't even officially called the FBI yet. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pull up the cast list in a minute, but like... Jesse Plemons is great. Mm-hmm. I love him. He plays a, he plays a cop in Game Night. Do you yep. remember that movie? I love that movie. Like way over the top, super serious, but like has kind of this menacing. It was so creepy. Yeah. And fighting for the right side, that's somebody you want on your team. Right. And he shows up at that door and you're like, oh, like you can't, I don't think you're going to outsmart this guy. Right. Certainly not Ernest, mm-hmm. who's a buffoon. Yeah. Um, But he shows up with like, there's like a, like almost like a team montage for a minute. Mm-hmm. There's like a bad, an awesome native dude who has like braids. Yeah. And like, it looks like he's like a sharpshooter or like a, what do you call these guys? Gunslinger. Gunslinger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great. And then you're like, yeah, I think they're going to meet their end pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was like, they literally asked like three people, figured it out and started arresting people. Like it was yes. like, this plot was not that complex. They just needed one person with half a brain and the authority to bring it down. Yeah. It was fantastic. Um, I have three questions for you that can probably be answered in one if I know you. And maybe I don't. Um, who was your favorite cameo? Is it the most obvious one? And if so, who, uh, I guess there's two questions. <laughs> who was it? Was there a moment? Ah, uh, what's his name? The lawyer. Yeah. Not who you're, th- not. Oh, really? Not, no. You're not, thinking John Lithgow? Yeah. That I was like, your favorite cameo. I like John Lithgow. More than Brendan Fraser? Yeah. Come on, dude. Brendan Fraser was like, like a cartoon character in his That's five true. minutes I, it's of true. screen he time. He wasn't very good, but it, I just thought it was cool to see him, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But okay, you're probably right. It's maybe not. I just it was the most surprising cameo to me. Maybe I could see what well, Jack White at the end was pretty surprising. I didn't recognize Jack White. It was very surprising. Well, let's talk about that ending. It, it cuts away from the main story and turns into if you if you haven't seen it, don't remember um, a a live radio broadcast of this story being told by various people doing voices and an orchestra doing live music and people doing foley effects. Brought to you by Lucky Strike. Right, cigarettes. Um, did that sequence work for you? And why do you think they did that? And it ended with Scorsese. It did. Uh, and did that work for you also? That's another whole thing. Yeah. Because it was it was kind of um, a perfect illustration of the commodification of the plight of Native Americans. That's exactly let's, what I think. Let's yeah. turn it into a, a radio program. Let's turn it into entertainment. And, and, and exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was where that came in. And I'm like, yeah, of course they would. Like, yeah. of, of course they would. Yeah. You have all, I mean, and I'm sure like, that that radio program was a real thing, and that's why maybe. they did that. Yeah, you know? it totally so, could have been. It's like, oh yeah, they they turned this into a silly, like right after, right? You know, howdy doody, or like whatever. A, yeah, like a who done it kind of. Yeah, 
wild, but yeah, like hugely commentative on the state of the cultural disposition of America of, of white Americans towards native Indians, native Mm -hmm. Americans. Yeah. Um, yeah, really uh, for a minute it took me out. And then I had to let it marinate, and then I think I got it. Yeah, like, if that's oh, what it, there is to get, then this I got is it, the irony. Yeah, this totally. is the cognitive dissonance between, you know, so like not social media, pop culture, sure. and First Nations people. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. There's a big, big canyon. Um, what was Scorsese's dialogue in that final scene? I don't know why I can't remember it. He was reading uh, her obituary. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I like that. He's passionate about this, and mm-hmm. it's good. I do think him doing that in the movie did take me out. Didn't bother me. Yeah, I was fine with it. I'm trying to think. There's a there's a particular vibe that that gives off, and uh, it's happened in other movies where like it's 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 like the same thing when the fourth wall gets broken, mm. and the character says something to drive home the point of the movie. Yeah, and it does feel a little bit condescending, a little bit handholdy, and a little bit patronizing. That's fair. And if another character had said the same thing, though, if maybe in this case you have to do the fourth wall breaking, I think it would have even been better because because it is like we're talking about this irony and this um, yeah commentary on us commodifying this tragedy into entertainment. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like Scorsese's character in the end was complicit in that, but he was talking about some really intense things. Yeah, that I think if I were in the audience in that theater, I'd have been like, "Dude, you're like you're like ruining the story. Shut up!" With yeah, this boring. But history. I like that. Like he was bringing like the the seriousness, the weight of it. I agree, but I think that would like no one of that audience didn't want that. I think if he had looked at the camera and made that to us, mm-hmm. that would have had more of an impact to me. It just felt like this weird, like not this way or that kind of thing that's, that's strange fair. You know what but I mean? also him like looking at the camera might have felt cheesy. i know but like at least it's in line with the the message perfect solution maybe well I, I understand the intention of having it at the end of that radio mm-hmm. performance mm-hmm. another possible way that that could have been done was like black screen post the obituary on the yeah. black screen have scorsese read it fade into the drum circle totally that would have been oh, pretty i forgot cool. about that shot what a great shot Oof. too Chilling reminded me of my childhood, man. Really? Yeah, I grew up at powwows. Oh yeah, it was so dope. There's um, there's a pretty great parallel to be observed. I think now that we're talking about it, there's a movie that came out in 2000. I'm not gonna get this right. If you could fact check, why don't we have computers today? Um, You do. I know, but it's running the thing. Um, there's a movie called The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Mm -hmm. Um, it's Brad Pitt, it's Casey Affleck, a bunch of other people, and Spoilers for this incoming. Uh, well, it's not really spoilers. I don't think I've seen this. You got to. Okay, spoil it for me. I'll watch it. Anyway. It's in the title. He does kill him. Well, that's right. That's not even a yeah. That and and the parallel here is that um, you'll be fine. Um, they, they turn it into a stage show where every night he Casey Affleck's character who did the killing recreates that on stage and it turns into sort of this folktale heroism, hmm. but it haunts him. And every night he has to do this over and over. And and the way that the tone of that performance changes in this montage is great. Hmm. And it kind of reminded me of this, uh, just like the, the, the oh God, that movie really upset me. But it's similar. You'd have to see it. I'd love okay. to just talk to you off air. But yeah. watch that movie. It's very good. I think it was like 2013 or okay. 14 or something. Check like it out. Um, that's pretty, I mean, we could keep talking about this. There's lots to dig into, but I did have a favorite scene. Oh, what? Well, but one that really stands out 
cinematically. Okay. It was the scene where Molly's mother passed away. The is the uh, okay like sure the ancestors. Like, yeah. What about it? It was just very poignant, uh-huh. and they made it so still and quiet mm-hmm. and peaceful. Yeah. It was one of the more like graceful like death scene kind of a crossing over to the afterlife uh-huh. scenes that I'd seen on film. It was really well done. I did not like that scene. Oh, really? Um, I had no emotional connection to it. I thought, conceptually, I think it's really nice. Um, I think it was kind of blocked weird. The expressions on the faces of those hands, like those weird smiles really creeped me out. <laughs> and like, whatever, it's it's kind of nitpicky, but because it does get the point across for, um, you know, that woman finding peace, and then it quickly cuts back to her daughter's grieving. I think that's all really great, but that scene in particular, I thought um, mostly their weird smiles. Really, like I was like, Ooh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> can someone tell them to not make those weird faces? That's funny. I, like I don't it. know, but yeah, you're you're fine. Uh, just being contrary for the sake of it. There you go. That's all I got. All right. Well, that's all we have on the movie. I think it's time for beer number two. So let's grab it, and we'll be right back after this fun sound. Don't go anywhere. And we are back with beer number two on the table. Um, Did this come from a dispensary? Because it's been pre-rolled. Whoa, man. Yeah, we should say that. You're right. It's, uh, we, we rolled it across our podcast desk a couple times to upset any potential sediment and also to upset whatever critter is bursting through this coffin with his eyeballs on this blue can, which is outlined mostly in black. It looks like we're in a cemetery. Um, there's candles. There's skulls. There's coffins. There's. Would you call that a lighthouse? I don't know why there would be a lighthouse, but what is that if it's not a lighthouse? The lighthouse with four eyes? Yeah. It's very strange. Well, there's a building that's kind of bending like, ooh, and there's some can- or candles. There's some pumpkins. And there is a candle. Yeah, there's candles as well. There is um, a coffin with two bloodshot eyes with green irises and slightly yellow not irises. I'm not sure what that part of the eye is, is that called. the sclera? Could be. It's not the pupil. The pupil's black. And that's the only color on this can aside from the blue. And out the sides of the coffin are two human arms that look like they are no strangers to lifting weights. Um, I will now show the can <laughs> to our viewers if anybody wants to see it. And the beer is called Sketchy AF. And um, again, it's Imprint Beer Co. out of Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And I think with that, we are up to speed on where we left off. So, Johnny, from their wet... Oh, I should say again, it's a triple dry-hopped Imperial New England IPA. That's a mouthful. 8.6%. Johnny, from their website, which I uh, assume they put on untapped, would you please read what uh, what we have here? We layered our triple dry-hopping over top a pillowy, hazy There's double pillowy. IPA. Hopping this one with Citra Mosaic, Mosaic and Experimental 09326. Wasn't that Stitch's number in Lilo and Stitch? No. Are you sure? No. Okay. Which tosses off a beautiful blackberry note that we always dig. A lot of folks have found this in, or found the incredible hop saturation of our IPAs a little sus. Oh boy. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and this one is even more sketchy, but our lips are sealed. All right. Um that's sketchy AF. We're back in yeah, we're back in New England IPA territory, Johnny, like you said. I I don't know what the odds are on this, but you liking two New Englands in a row seems unlikely, at the very least. You're trying it for the first time. What are your initial thoughts? Oh, that's bitter. That is incredibly bitter. Bitter, better, or bitter, batter? Bitter, batter. Let's get at her. Just trying to do some, trying to do some phrases here. Um, some new phrases. Wow, that is like upfront, like not devastatingly bitter, but like mildly devastating. 
That's what's great. A, what's a mild devastation? Mild devastation is stubbing your toe. Okay. Serious devastation is is Killers of the Flower Moon. So this is like stubbing my tongue with bitterness. <laughs> this beer stubs my tongue. It's good though. Yeah, I like it. This is really good. This feels very more West Coasty. It, it's got big bitter resinous vibes, and I'm yes. way more into this. I mean, it's it's got a ton of hop flavor. Which, yeah, and triple dry hops. I know, and like for me, it's not so much bitterness um, as much as it is the danky hop flavor that I'm getting that's cutting through the sweetness because mm-hmm. there's still the sweetness for yeah. sure, but there's also yeah, there's there's hop resiny tastes that is real good. Yeah, I'm in it. This is really this is really good. It was I'm quite tasty. Amazed by yeah, it so far. it's punchy with its bitterness. It, it never this beer for me. I would not use the word juicy to describe this. At all? Barely. What style would you guess this beer is? I mean, if this is ju- – what style would yeah. I guess what, this if, beer yeah, is? Yeah, what guess what, what guess would style you think? Blindfold? Yeah. Would guess like double IPA. A West Coast? Just – yeah, just a West if Coast you, double IPA. There's – well, I think that's wild because I think if I put you next to a – or rather if I put a West Coast – the double West Coast IPA next to you. There's you would tell the difference. You'd be like, that one's way sweeter. Yeah. As it yeah, this was pretty cold when we started drinking it. Sure. Like moment a, a minute ago. Yeah. It was All right. a small All cup. Right. That's fine. That's true. Small cup. It's already getting a little bit sweeter. I, I think what would be this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think what we could do sometime, and it wouldn't be just super fun with me and you, because I think we'd be batting a thousand probably. But if we take just sort of base beers from seven styles. I mean, even this, yeah, it'd be too easy. But like you put a Pilsner and maybe a Kolsch, a Pale Ale, an IPA, a New England IPA, a Porter, and a Stout. I mean, we'd be fine. We could name all those. We could, And I'm saying like blind. And be like, what's what? Mm-hmm. You could. That's harder than you think. With those beers? It's harder than you think. I guarantee you I would not mix up a Stout and an IPA. No. I don't think I'd mix up a Porter and a Stout. The Depen- danger would be. It depends on the Porter and the Pilsner, Stout. Pilsner, Kolsch. That's yeah. true. Um I don't th- – Pale Ale, IPA, West Coast IPA, I might have trouble with sometimes. But no way would me or you, and this is my point, have trouble distinguishing between a West Coast and a New England IPA. I just don't think so. And I think if they were side by side, you might be singing a different tune because I think this is very clearly a hop forward New England IPA. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, there's there's juice on the back end, but you kind of have to look for it. It's there, but it's it's – one of the more subtle elements of this beer. It's a well-balanced beer. It's not one that is jumping at you with its juiciness, for no. sure. I would say, if anything, it sways in the balance of being incredibly hoppy. The only reason I'd argue against that is because of this triple dry hopping that's going. It's not, a for me, not a bitter punchiness. It's just the hop flavors. It's just it's just the, the resiny, danky, piney stuff. It's so bitter. It's definitely bitter, but it's not bitter like a, you know, um, like an arrogant bastard from Stone is bitter. Or like a torpedo is bitter, or like a Lagunitas IPA is bitter. It's a different kind of bitterness, and I would argue that the bitterness is softened because of the sweetness, possibly. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I really like it. It's very good. Yeah, this is an incredibly strong showing from uh, what is this imprint? In, imprint. Yeah, I almost said input. There's probably that brewery too. If there's not, that's a good name. Uh, yeah, imprint. Um, yeah, dude. I mean. I know it's only been five years since they've been conceived, but like I wish we would have gotten them sooner. Right. And who knows this guy? I mean, that's about, for people in, in our neck of the woods, Secret Trail has been around for about six years. 
uh, and you'll have a better idea of this than me, but what is the distribution net of Secret Trail like in terms of distance? Chico. They don't go out at all? They might a little bit. Not far. So I could see there being a similar situation with a with a brewery like this. Like I obviously if you're a brand new brewery, say you you're not an offshoot, you're not a brewer from like another brewery that came over, you're brand new. You're not distributing your like first offshoot. six months. Sure. <laughs> Is that true? Are they like that? They're the uh, the uh, 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 the brewery. That's offshoot is their... Oh, so the opposite of that. I'm saying not that. Yeah. yeah. No, you said unless you're an offshoot of a major brewery. Like offshoot. Like, like offshoot. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But if you're starting from scratch, like you're probably not getting wide distribution on your first couple years. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe not even after that. So I, maybe... Yeah, there's scaling We're on the other side of the country. Like you're talking partnering with people that do distribution and, and probably across multiple um, zones. Well, and having the capital to invest in enough uh, brewing equipment to make enough beer yes. to get distributed. Totally, right. I'm assuming nationally because this is here. We're in California. Yeah. Okay. And Pennsylvania is a lot closer to, you know, the East Coast. Sure. <laughs> on it. Yeah. yeah sure. It might say it's on it. So, yeah, I'm going to say even though it is through one of the smaller distribution houses that they – they are of acquired national distribution. Yes. It's not in chain stores, but it is hitting specialty stores all over the country. I mean, I think most craft beer drinkers are like, that's a plus. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm not saying this getting warm on the shelves at Rayleigh's or BevMo or, right. uh, you know, any number of other grocery stores. Exactly. No, this is um, – this is feels like a very regional treat that we are getting uh, treated to. Sure. I, dude, I wouldn't even be surprised if this kind of hopped over the Midwest to get here. Like, I, I do think people in Nebraska would appreciate this. Yeah, dude. Omaha's a friggin' scene. Same with like, like you just said it skipped over the Midwest. Y- yes, like, but I, I, it's not a big enough scene to like get an entire brewery to stop. Right. Like California, for like you, ostensibly have like, if you want to hit the West Coast, you have San Francisco and Sacramento and, and Los Angeles and yeah. in the same breath, Chico. Somehow, and, don't know why, but sure. And Portland is like a stone's throw. So <laughs> yeah, for real, we it's... get lucky because of our proximity to these larger cities. Exactly. And unfortunately, Omaha or any number of other cities in the Midwest don't necessarily. Man, have we're, that just, same we're just going bad on Nebraska today. My, my family's from Nebraska. Omaha's great. Um, Nebraska's the worst. Nebraska's awesome. Go Cornhuskers. No, never baby. been. You never been to Nebraska? You no. should go. Why? It's great. How? Taste of God's country, baby. The the wide sprawling hills, far as the eye can see. Been to Montana. Similar. Yeah. Like Montana. more mountainous though. Mont- Montana's very mountainy. Yeah. I like that. Nebraska is not that way. I don't like fields. Then you would not like Nebraska. Okay. And neither would this beer because it didn't go there. Maybe it did. If you're in Nebraska and you have this beer, please let us know. Or if you're with Imprint and you're like, no, dude, we distributed it all the way here. We're, we're in Nebraska. Yeah. We got a Nebraska rep. Um, This is really good. It's fantastic. It's sort of the main point I'm getting at. I really like it. I like it more than the first one. Where are you at with, with this in compared, comparison to the first? It's not a 10, but it's, it's way up there. Like, this is one of the better New England styles I've had. You know, region, like, regional gems, for me, immediately jumps to mind Slice. Regional meaning beers like, we get in our region or no, beers like, that are made in our region? Bigger picture. A, br- uh, a region of the world that uh, has regional gems. Okay. Like, I feel like we got their Slice. Oh, I see. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, this feels like a very... Luxurious, regional, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Like I bet everyone within an hour and a half knows of this place and goes and gets their releases, like we do with Slice or with totally. Moxa. And to have that gifted to us in distribution is rad. I love that. That's what makes craft beer awesome. Totally, we're getting to try someone's blood, sweat, and tears, metaphorically. 
hopefully, hopefully, yeah. uh, from Pennsylvania and big ups to these guys. They are making some absolutely killer beers. I mean, this is like a nine, six for me. Yeah. It's, that's a good, it's a really good score. 9.6. Um, I got nothing wrong with it. I, I think it's fantastic. I really enjoy it. Um, I'm, it's a 10. I think it's great. I'm throwing out a 10. Yeah. I know we talked about how rare that is, but it's a great beer. I, I would love to drink it again. Um, the only pet peeve I have, and it's not with a beer, it's that I wish there was a canning date on it just so I could have some point of reference yeah. for how fresh it is. I'm sure it's fresh. You know, you, at some point you start tasting if it's not, and mm-hmm. it's not that old. So I would just like to know out of curiosity, but that's, that's it. You know, it's, it's a great beer. Totally. Like, cause I would like to know, like if this is a month and a half old, hmm. ho, ho, ho. if this is a 10 hey, at a month and a half, old, I know I might just never drink beer again. I actually might only ever drink it at a month and a half. You're like, we got to age this. I don't Nine, want to risk it. 90 yeah. days? It's this good now. Like, it can't get better for me. Right. So I don't want to try it fresh. Like, I want it as old as it is now. There's no up to go from no, here. No, there's not. And I so I want to know how old it is so I can drink it at this exact date every time. Well, I think if you drink it fresher, it would only be better. So it'd be okay. I agree. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you have feedback on anything we've discussed today, you can call or text us 530-433-0839. Again, our number here on the show, 530-433-0839, or just send us a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. As a reminder to our radio listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered segment, or if you want to go digging through seven-plus years' worth of episodes, ooh, that's a lot of content. Going all the way back to 2016, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to us, Fresh Hop Cinema. Yeah, we'll be back on the radio waves of KZFR next Saturday at 4 p.m., of course. So until then, watch some movies, drink some beers that broaden your horizons. And again, if you enjoyed the show, you can leave a tip at kzfr.org or you can leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And to those of you currently heading to the beach or cleaning your house and listening in podcast form, We'll be right back with some gold in Hot and Bothered. Bothered. Welcome to Hot and Bothered. It's where we veer off the rails. We talk about non-killers of the flower moon and non-imprint beer, unless you want to talk more about those things. Do you? I mean, yeah, but we should wrap up the podcast. Great. So then we're just, I think we got some book recommendations today. That's what I'm seeing on my notes. I think that's what you got on your notes. Yeah, baby. It's Fresh Hop Cinema Book Corner. That's nice. That's, I'm going to write that down. I like Book Corner. I, did you steal that from something? Book Corner? It just came to me, dude. I don't know if I did. It was from my subconscious. And in that case, I'm going to file a copyright infringement because someone fucking got in my brain. I'll write a trademark next to it. Okay. Johnny, what have you been reading? I was recommended a book by a coworker called The Monk of Mocha. Spell it. Uh, monk. Sure. M-O-N-K. Mocha. M-O-K-H-A. Got it. It's a book by a guy named David Eggers. Uh, and I will read just a brief description from his website. Monk of Mocha is the true story of a young Yemeni-American man raised in San Francisco who dreams of resurrecting the ancient art of Yemeni coffee, but finds himself trapped in Sana'a by civil war. In where? Sana'a. What's Sana'a? Wait, Sana'a is, uh, I think, the capital of Yemen. It's a oh, city okay. in Yemen, right. or a region in Yemen. Okay. Um, yeah, and the main character character the the main person that this book is about sure uh his name is Mokhtar Alkanchali and he is kind of a pillar of Yemeni coffee in America okay I am hopefully going to get to meet him at the next specialty coffee association uh meeting uh convention I believe it's in Chicago next year and ideally I'm going to go uh but this book I learned an incredible amount 
about Yemen, about Yemeni coffee, and the thousand-year-old history that Yemen has with coffee. Uh, I also learned an immense amount about the inner workings of the coffee industry as it relates to fair trade Mm. um, and direct trade, which are two of the most important practices in not just coffee, but in in global commerce. commerce. Um, And the value that buying a bag of coffee that says direct trade on it Mm-hmm. what that means to people in other countries. Or, or possibly, more importantly, what it means if it doesn't say that. Yeah, exactly. The people that are getting sort, and, of, sort of shafted, exploited, yeah. if you will. Yeah, and so just learning all that and learning about this incredible man that went through a wild journey, a wild journey. Like, it seems outlandish, the amount of insanity that he had to go through just getting in and out of Yemen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was... An adventure, it felt at times like a tall tale, but knowing that it was based in fact and and backed up by a lot of firsthand accounts and and witnesses that, you know, verified a lot of things, it was incredible. It was a fantastic book. It it, it kind of merged this like almost action adventure story of this guy's life. Sweet. Um, in his journeys and this region with deep, deep coffee history and coffee knowledge and the process of him learning about coffee. If you're into coffee or if you just like good stories about viciously entertaining and interesting people that have strong roots in other parts of the world that you might want to learn about, I think it's a a great book for anyone to pick up and read. Paperback, hardback, Kindle, audiobook. All of it. Which did you consume? Audiobook. Sweet. Yep. Uh, Then my question for audiobooks, narrator? Into it, narrator was very good. Good, that's fantastic uh, narration. Not always a make or break, but it, know, it can break. I, I was uh, there's a book that I talked about last week. Um, I think it was last week called Stop Overthinking, mm-hmm. which I have in paperback, and then also because I was driving a lot, downloaded an audiobook. I hate it. Gotcha. Hate the audiobook. It, uh, a narrator, his can... voice is just like it's 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 kind of already a little condescending. The book is like it. T- you got to go through some stuff that like we all know, but. It's worse with this guy's voice. I don't mm. know what he's fine, but just makes you mad. It does. I turn it off, and I started listening to uh, another book um, that I started a couple months ago. Put down because I was, um, I don't know, I got sidetracked by something. But it's another audio book, um, which is also available in non-audio form, and it's a book from. It's a memoir from Brandy Carlisle, who's a singer-songwriter, um, country artist, multifaceted Grammy award-winning musician. And the book, the memoir is called uh, Broken Horses. It came out in 2021. And the audiobook is narrated by her, mm. which I think is like a major plus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also interspersed with what sound like voice memos of her playing some of these songs she's talking about and some of these experiences. Like, um, I mean, there's, there's a ton of examples, but uh, one that I heard recently was her talking about uh, learning to play guitar on an old guitar that was lying around the house that only had two strings. And mm-hmm. I am bummed that I can't think of the name of that guitar. She like gave it this funny nickname. Um, but so she played like one of the songs that had been, I think written on that guitar and like trying to get her new, her, you know, her actual guitar, to, like make the same sort of idiosyncratic buzzing sound that, that guitar used to make. Um, it's great. It's, it's great. I think if you're a musician, obviously to get some insight into a wonderful songwriter, um, she talks a lot about her upbringing in the church and sort of growing up in a lifestyle that wasn't necessarily, you know, didn't quite feel true to her. It's a great book. 
I very much recommend it. Give me like um, three songs or two songs, one song that like she wrote that I would know. Oh man, it's I'm not sure that you would know any of her songs. Well, that's um, insulting. No, I mean, what songs is she most known for? So the reason I know her music, at least at first, is that I got hired to play one of her songs at a wedding. The story's too long already. It's called The Story. Okay. It's a great song. Um, that's where I started. Okay. Um, she's also one of those artists that like I would listen to on road trips, and I'd like I'd, I'd look up Brandy Carlisle on Spotify, I'd pick an album, and I'd just like listen through it and not be super aware of like where songs ended or started and just like experienced those albums. And I couldn't even tell you the name of the albums, to tell you the truth. Hmm. Um, she's a fairly new artist. I've been, she's not a new artist. I've sort of newly been exposed to her music and she's great. I'm going to pull her up on iTunes. And if I've known like the top five. Yeah. I mean, I you, you owe me an apology. I I'll apologize right now. Uh, and I can owe you more than that. I'll buy you, I'll buy you a beer. I'll buy you one of her albums. I'll tell you what, that's what I'll buy you. Ooh. Cause if you're, and I'll, I'll look her up right now for you, man. I'll tell you if you, if you know any of these, you tell me. Um, the ones that come up first on Spotify are Damage Gets Done, um, A Thousand Miles, which is not the one that is like the Vanessa, um, Carlton. No. Yes. But there's another one. <laughs> oh no, I'm thinking of a thousand years. Um, the story, the one that I mentioned, um, another great one is you and me on the rock. There's some great harmonies in that. And there's another song called little blue. Um, I think I might need to hear them. Maybe. Uh, and now is not the time for that because of, you know, I'll look into potential it. copyright issues, but yes. She's she's great. She's got an incredible voice. She's a great songwriter. Um, mm, and and she's, she's a newer artist in the pantheon of music history, too. She doesn't Well, in look, the pantheon of music history, sure. Like, she's younger than Beethoven. I heard her name, and I kind of assumed, I don't know why, that she was, like, Dolly Parton age. She is hugely influenced by Dolly Parton. Maybe okay. you knew that. I don't know why you would, but maybe you did. I will not assume anything about you because I don't want to owe you any more apologies or albums. Exactly. So, fair enough. Uh, but no, I pictured her being a lot older. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize she was, what, late 30s, early 40s? Yeah, probably early 40s. Um, worth checking out, though. Greatly worth checking out. I Music will, and memoir. Totally. Let me say one more thing. When I was on tour, um, it's a weird kind of name drop here, but I, we, Serena and I stopped at um, Silver Moon in Bend, and the band playing that night, I had the night off, was Brandy Carlisle's brother, and his kids. Hmm. It's a family band called uh, uh, Small Town Strings. Okay. Small Town String Band. Very good. Uh, and so that sort of uh, reignited my curiosity into this audiobook that I'd forgotten about. Hmm. Um, and that band is also very good. I checked them out too. They're young. They're like, oh. you know, 15, 16. Kids. Oh, wow. Not, not even. They're not even that old. Like children. Yeah, kids. Some real carpenters. kids. Some real carpenters. They're better that. than me. They're better than, yeah, they're great. Really? They're, well, I mean, they're good. They're really good. Um, there's a lot of good music out there. All right. So, man, we got a couple album recommendations and a book recommendation out of your hot and bother. Who am I, Johnny, this week? Shh, you thought you didn't have anything. You got anything else in this? Um, I Specifically, you, Max, I would. I think you should read that book. I will. Can you send me a link? Because I've got some some freaking credits, my dude. Yeah, Great. absolutely. And it wasn't a long read. I think it was like 11 hours. Okay. It was a pretty compact book, but to the point and... Honestly, if you run in coffee circles, you might just run into this dude if you're in the Bay Area. Okay. So um, I think and if it piques anyone's interest, read it too. But I mainly recommended that for you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Because no one's listening. I just do As this. usual, just do this, for you. this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Everybody on Patreon, we super appreciate your patronage. Um, check out the handlebar for a sweet happy hour. If you like saving money drinking good beer. If you like spending money that you don't need to spend drinking shitty beer, don't don't go there. Mm -hmm. You will be disappointed. 
we'll be back next week. Looking forward to it. My name is Max Minardi in the meantime. My name is Johnny Summers. Be sure and drink some imprint beer this week. That stuff's really good. It's really good. You should try it. Um, watch some good movies. Read a good book. Yeah. Tell us about it. Most importantly, we want to hear. That'd be great. Anyway, no matter what, be good to each other. See you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.